0: Hey, it's Nathan from the Golden Homers here to tell you about meetupvegas.com. Want to eat the same quality meats that the great chefs in Las Vegas use? I got the hookup for you. Delivered straight to your front door, meetupvegas.com offers steaks, pork chops, premium chicken breasts, prime rib, you name it. Check out meetupvegas.com and use code IRISH10 at checkout to receive $10 off your order.
1: Timeout. Williams right to the right side. Powers to the end zone. Well, low snap, picked it up, takes an end zone shot, and finally, McKinley goes up and gets it. And it is a touchdown.
0: Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Homers
1: Podcast with your hosts, Mason Plummer and Nathan Erbach.
0: All right, welcome back. Welcome in to another edition of the Golden Homers Podcast. Uh, I'm your, uh, one of your co-hosts, Nathan Urbach. I'm on the line with, uh, like my, my other co-host, I should say Mason Plummer, um, breaking down some Navy, some Navy game from this past week, moving on to Virginia. Uh, as most, you know, Notre Dame is now eight and one on the season. Um, close to that. I think Mason actually made a bet on this at the beginning of the year, which I think was, was probably a, a steal of sorts, but the eight and a half, uh, uh, when windpoint point spread or whatever you want to call it uh, should hit hopefully this coming week against Virginia. Um, but last week we did tell you that we were probably going to have a special guest. And on the line right now, we have Kevin Sinclair of Irish Illustrated in 24 seven sports. Um, and one of the reasons we wanted to bring Kevin on was that my, myself and Mason started at uh, slap the sign. And Kevin back in the day also started at slap the sign. And we thought that was a cool little connection. And he's moved on to bigger and better things. So, uh, Kevin, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, three slap the sign alumni here. How about that? That's right. Yeah,
2: it's, uh, <laughs> it's cool to, that, you know, our paths didn't directly cross. But we all kind of link up in one way or another. And it's, it's cool that we're all, we're all meeting up now. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to have you on, Kevin.
1: Yeah, thanks. I'm always up for talking some, some football. And, and uh, I'm glad to be here with you guys.
0: Yeah, and I think even uh, even like funnier than that is obviously Kevin. You're now with like I mentioned Irish, for seven sports. I think me and Mason both agree that that's the um, that's you know sort of the the top notch of recruiting websites or you know the the alpha and the omega for you know for maybe a lack of a better word the place um, to be exactly. And you know we we both moved on to Irish breakdown um, with uh, Brian Driscoll at a. Uh, you know, on Sports Illustrated, and then Mason went on to Rivals. So we've all our our, our kind of our our piece of the pie somewhere in in the Notre Dame. It's interesting, but um, another reason obviously we wanted to bring you on was you know obviously Tom is a, is a, is is a good friend of the podcast, and you know he's been on with us as well. You know he's sort of he he gets a lot of info. He he's sort of getting the info on recruits on where they're going to land, and obviously I'm 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 sure you get a lot of that as well. And I admire about you is your, your film breakdown um, of the of the, the of the recruits, the targets, you know, even some of, we were talking about this the other day, even some of the guys that Notre Dame might not even land or, or even considering offering, um, you know, you, you find these, you know, lower level three star guys. And, you know, four years down the road, the kid ends up being a, a stud who went to like Buffalo or Central Michigan or something like that. Um, and I don't think there's any anybody in the business that that gets a film breakdown, at least on the Notre Dame beat, uh, as well as you do.
1: Well, I I really appreciate that. And it's sort of like, um, you know, be, getting into recruiting. It's sort of like just like you guys, diehard football fans. It sure is a long off season, right? Eight yeah, or absolutely. nine months. We we spend just thinking about and talking about and obsessing over the next season to where it almost kind of drive you crazy at times and recruiting for me, like, you know, as say, like a teenager is obsessed with the game of football. It gives you something year round to follow. And, you know, and now with the, you know, eventually the development of the internet and huddle comes out just a couple clicks away from watching anyone's highlight film. And what I do every season, you know, in the off season is I sort of, um, you know, do everything I can to get access to full game films of all the commits, and um, I sort of took that took that upon myself as a staff member at Irish, Irish Illustrated to really, you know, do a lot of in depth breakdown on the commits and the recruits in their seasons. And I think that, you know, um, it's it's kind of obvious that that would give you a lot more insight and context into what Notre Dame's getting in those players, but. Um, for some, it is drastic, um, watching their highlight reels sort of in the off season before they commit and then, and then watch six full game films. My outlook on that player sometimes may shift drastically compared to what I thought after just watching, you know, a small sample size, you learn about, you know, how they are on every snap basis and, and how they play within their offense or defense. There's a lot of good stuff
2: to dig up there and, and I love getting after it. So, Kevin, Nathan Nathan pretty much hit the nail on the head that there's, at least I haven't found him, somebody that digs so deep into film and ha- is so knowledgeable, not only about the game of football, but kind of the direction that the Notre Dame program wants to go. It seems like you have your eyes on some targets that seem to fit the program, maybe even before some of the coaching staff does, you, you have your eyes on some guys that some guys that are, that are going to pop. Is that something that's kind of gratifying for you to, you're watching these game, game films of guys that you see are maybe a low three-star, and then, to watch them rise. And essentially you call your shot. You're like, Oh man, I knew this was, this guy was going to be a dude, you know, a couple months before he even saw his big rise.
1: Well, I'll tell you a funny story. Like I'll give you a couple of examples. Okay. There's a few that I had brought up long before sort of Notre Dame had offered them or whatever. Notre Dame may have very well known about them and tracking had been tracking them before I had, but here's a couple of examples. Um, in the 2021 class, so last cycle, long before National Signing Day, about a year before that, Notre Dame didn't sign any linebackers the year before that. It didn't seem like any linebackers were particularly leaning toward Notre Dame. And in our message board, some fans were just basically asking, hey, hey, what linebackers are out there? Who's out there that they haven't offered? What's out there? And, and then it, that, that kind of comment kept on being made. So I said, tell you what, guys, I'll dig through the database and I'll have a long look to see what's out there. And I was looking around and I saw a few guys who sort of, you know, seemed like good students and had some upside. But then I came across this kid from rural Tennessee. Um, There was no reporting on him anywhere aside from a few local articles I dug up. One saying that he had broken the program's rushing record as a freshman. And then I was watching him play. He was playing safety, mostly in a bit of linebacker. And he just seemed like this perfect fit for the rover position. He was super long chiseled muscle and he was making outstanding diving tackles as a junior and he had like 87 tackles on the year a bunch of interceptions and sacks and it was Prince Cauley um he had very few offers a few like very low level offers at the time and he had suffered an injury the year before and there was just he had like very small following on Twitter and um so basically I you know looked into him a bit more and, and I'd suggested you know maybe this is a guy Notre Dame could recruit and of course, he became this big prospect. A second one was Nolan Ziegler. Um, you know, one—it's a very long story, but my personal high school football coach—he was from Grand Rapids, and when I still t- keep in touch with him to this day. Uh, he grew up in Grand Rapids, and he's always asking me when I see him once in a while or talk with him, "Hey, any kids from Grand Rapids?" And as a recruiting analyst, every once in a while, you kind of get. Um, you know, every day you get random recruits following you, right? And I started to get this uh, one day. I get a follow from a recruit, and it said Grand Rapids. Ordinarily, I don't have time to look at them all. But I clicked on his profile, and I, and I looked at his film, and it was very similar to Prince Colley. Wow, he's a safety. He's 6'3 three and he He's got all this range hover cover skills, tackling ability. Then I got to talking with him, and it turns out, oh, my grandfather played at Notre Dame and won a championship. My grandmother – was a cheerleader at Notre Dame. She tutored Joe Montana and this big story came out and Notre Dame, I don't believe was recruiting him at the time, but I couldn't say no to that story. All of his connections to Notre Dame, his head coach was the offensive coordinator under Brian Kelly uh, at a a college in the past. And um, and it was funny to, to just see how he turned out to be this, you know, Notre Dame recruit. Now he's committed to Notre Dame. So you know, you dig around long enough and you know the markings of a Notre Dame player, high, you know, good students, um, oftentimes from Catholic schools, uh, you can find them. And, you know, I'm I'm paid to dig around on this stuff, so I'm going to do it. And, and and I guess I've found a few in the past.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it seems like something you have to enjoy because I have to imagine it for the success stories that there are, which are always super cool, and I know Nathan and I enjoy, especially those few that you mentioned, I'm sure there's got to be a bunch where they don't exactly work out. The kid goes to a different school for for one reason or another, do you ever kind of get discouraged or is that just something that you found is just part of it?
1: Yeah. I don't know that it's um, necessarily discouraging. It's just, um, y- you know, there's, you'll, you'll find guys who just seem like that perfect fit. Right. And, and I'll be personally determined like, Oh, this guy, they, they got to recruit this kid. And, and then there'll be times where I'll find, find out, you know, way down the line where yes, this player did go to a, private Catholic school but he was on a scholarship and he had a 2.4 GPA all along <laughs> I didn't realize that or there there's some other little factor where you no know, that like he didn't actually uh, you know fit and I don't have you know no one has the resources to find out every single little detail uh, like a program like Notre Dame has you know and sometimes there's some little red flag that uh, might end up you know throwing that recruitment off um, but yeah, definitely not discouraged, but I definitely just kind of like digging into our database and seeing what else is out there. And once
0: in a while you run into a, a Prince Colley. And it's interesting that you mentioned. Ziegler. I know when, um, when Mason was working with rivals and with Irish breakdown, he had a really good, um, relationship with Prince Colley's, I think it was a assistant coach if I'm thinking um, and then, uh, Nolan Ziegler was actually one of the first players I was able to get in contact with and had a good relationship on the beat with Irish breakdown as well. And, um, was talking to him before he had his Notre Dame offer. So, you know, certainly two, two kids that now look like, you know, just the epitome of like what you're talking about, the, a Notre Dame kid with the height, the length the grades and just the, the Notre Dame connections and, However you want to put it, they, they're just kind of Notre Dame guys through and through. Yeah, they just sort of,
1: you know, I think Nolan Ziegler is just a prime example. He comes from this big uh, Catholic family. His grandfather played at Notre Dame. His grandmother was in the first female class at Notre Dame, was a cheerleader. And then there's a multiple additional family members he had who all went to Notre Dame. He goes to a great private Catholic school in Michigan, he grew up going to Notre Dame games. But if you even if he didn't have those family members at Notre Dame, he's just that perfect kid, mature, um, beyond his years, a fantastic student. And then he's that tall, long, rangy, athletic linebacker that Clark Lee always kind of wanted. And he always sort of ended up getting a lot of his shorter one type guys, J.D. Bertrand, Asita Oquanu Tights. Um, I think Jack Lamb was kind of the one first guy. He kind of got that tall, long-rangey type uh, until, uh, of course, Nolan, who, you know, will be <laughs> going to, to Notre Dame. I think he's going to have a very bright future there.
0: Thank I mean there there was talk that he could end up still being a safety he could end up being a linebacker maybe he would even grow into like a viper candidate or, or stay at kind of like a rover spot so just the versatility I think is there as well and you can probably say that with a lot of the Notre Dame linebacker commits this year and I know you've you know dug into the film on a lot of these guys but but Jalen Snead is someone that has a lot of twitchy athleticism that you know, could probably start out at safety if he really wanted to, but, you know, I'm sure he'll play linebacker at the, you know, Rover at Notre Dame. Um, you know, Prince Colley, like you mentioned, played safety a little bit in high school, um, but sticking to the 2022 class specifically, I mean, there's been rumors that Joshua Burnham could maybe move into a Viper, um, you know, or as a Viper candidate down the road. Um, and, and, you, and then, like, you have junior uh, Tulia Halamaka, who's probably your, your, your typical Mike. Um, And the one guy that is a hundred percent like a Mike linebacker through and through. And, um, but I think the versatility of this linebacker class sets Notre Dame apart. And I think it's one of the, I think most people agree that it might be the, the best linebacker recruiting class in the entire country.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, there's no doubt. You know, I, it's really interesting to look at that class and you're right. There's a lot of versatility in there. I think it starts like, you know, in the Midwest, they have these two, you know six three and a half six four super athletic super versatile four-star linebackers there and Joshua Burnham and Nolan Ziegler Joshua Burnham is extremely interesting I've watched several of his games this year and you know you want to talk about a starting quarterback mostly out of shotgun delivers a lot of great passes but his ability to run the football he What I my biggest takeaway in Joshua Burnham is is what you know in terms of something I learned through watching all his games this year is his toughness. You know he almost never comes off the field aside from special teams, playing Mike linebacker and he is a marked man where they have one or two linemen releasing uphill at him on an every snap basis. So when he makes a tackle, he has worked through one or two blocks, usually both of them being offensive linemen. Um, that fits, and and the way he attacks and sheds and makes tackles, um, and stuffing the inside run game. You got to be one gritty dude to to roll through that for four quarters. I've never seen him limp off the field or show any you know uncomfortable type you know notion from him. And then on offense, he's running the ball uh, heavily. You know, twenty carries a game sometimes. Um, rushing for several touchdowns, taking so many hits, rarely goes down on first contact. That is a warrior of a kid, but he's also such a large frame. Like you said, I think that notion of him potentially playing on the edge, you have to think about that with his size, um, his length. Definitely I could see that right now. I, I personally like him at Mike or, you know, Mike linebacker, or one of the inside linebacker roles because he's real tough and attacking inside. And I can only imagine kind of what it'll be like when he has some more free space to roam where he's not, you know, marked by the opposing offense where they're making sure to release several blockers at him every set. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be much different in college, right? He'll of course have to shed blocks like everyone does, but I'm going to be interested to see when he is not the sole focus of the opposing offense. And then I think that Nolan Ziegler, um, you mentioned it with him potentially playing safety. I think, Absolutely. The, you know, the, the position linebacker position of him playing in space, being able to cover the slot, definitely being a nickel linebacker. And then maybe let's say, for example, if you were an underclassman, he wasn't in the starting linebacker unit. There's certainly, I could imagine like a, a nickel package role where he comes on the field to cover the slot. Cause he's a guy who erases receivers. He is, That's one thing I feel like has been underreported about Nolan is just his coverage ability is outstanding. He comes from a program very, very well coached. Again, former division one offensive coordinator is his head coach. And that is a kid who knows football. And then I think with Jalen Sneed, um, man, just the most violent hitter I have seen Notre Dame's add in maybe my whole career at Irish Illustrated. He is such a violent attacker when we watch him, you just see so much Jeremiah Owusu-Koromo in him and I don't see why he can't be that same type of linebacker. and I mean that's really a big claim, but really that's that's the kind of player he is that same sort of really twitchy kind of freaky athleticism. And then I think with I know these all sound like rosy things or I'm sort of really <laughs> overstating it. But that group itself, all four of them have kind of performed in game films even better than I expected. And Junior Tua Alamaka has added um, – I, I put out some reporting on him where you know, he trains full-time throughout the offseason with a group of defensive backs. And Chance Tucker was in that group last year, and so were several other, other former four-star DBs where he's the only linebacker there working specific defensive back training heavily throughout the offseason you can see it in the way he's moving and I think it's sort of stock up for Tui Alamaka as a Mike linebacker right now
2: certainly some high praise in that linebacker group and uh, certainly on the defensive side of the ball as well but shifting to the where a lot of people like to talk they think that the offensive side is where Notre Dame really needs to improve and I think this is a class that starts to move the bar a little bit certainly in the wide receiver room two guys I'm really high on is CJ Williams and Tobias Merriweather Kevin who are some of your favorite guys in this offensive class? Or are there any needle movers that you see?
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, um, right off the hop, uh, Tobias Merriweather is, um, you know, my coworker and boss, Tim Priester, had suggested before that he, Tobias Merriweather is a T Higgins-like receiver. And I think that would be like the best possible outcome for him with that size. You know, I believe he's about six, four and a half. And serious track track background for him he can really move and if there's one thing he sort of has developed incredibly all over the offseason is his route running ability I got in in touch with his uh, receiver trainer who actually you know was signed at Cincinnati under Brian Kelly Um, he has a great a great guy there in his corner in terms of teaching him but Merriweather his route running and then his ability to fight for the football and hang on to the football when he's taking shots, say over the middle on a post. It's just a lot grittier there and in, in, the, in the sort of the routes than we catches the ball. So Tobias Merriweather is out, an outstanding prospect for Notre Dame. Um, and then I think that, yeah, it, if you have to talk about the top two, it's got to be those two receivers. You know, CJ Williams is as polished a receiver as I've really seen in, in this class. Um, he, I remember talking to him when he was a sophomore and he had set up a visit to Notre Dame just before the coronavirus broke where he was going to attend a spring practice. And I mean, you talk to a kid and I talk about, it's like talking to a 30-year-old when you're talking to C.J. Williams. It's not like talking to a teenager. So that maturity and then... Um, you know, if you want to talk about a program that can produce college-ready receivers, it's Matter Day, and he's one of the best they've had. So it really starts with those two. And then I think if we just were to, like, talk about maybe one guy who maybe there's not enough hype around, uh, it might be Joey Tenona. You know, he is a bull. You know, he bench presses 400 pounds. He's <laughs> 6'5", 300 pounds. Um, I don't think he'll play tackle at college. I could maybe see him playing right tackle, but he's probably going to, you know, be a guard for Notre Dame and they need guards, right? They do. And um, that is a kid who is extremely strong at the point of attack, works really hard. I think he could be a really good one for Notre Dame.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, obviously with Joe Alt and Blake Fisher from uh, this last cycle, looking like they might be able to lock down the left tackle and right tackle positions. I, I sort of agree with you. I mean, Joey Tonona, hopefully Billy Shrouth down the line as well can be guys that can, kind of man the middle for them with with Rocco Spindler and and some other guys that are currently on the roster as well um kind of touching base on on the CJ Williams I know you mentioned just how polished he is and I if I'm if I'm not mistaken like you came out with a list recently of guys who you think could play freshman year for Notre Dame and and he was at like where you know obviously Notre Dame's bringing back most of their wide receivers from this past year. Um, I mean, obviously, Avery Davis went down during Navy, and, and he's eligible to return as a six-year senior. But at the same time, they are kind of short uh, overall. So do, do you think there's a scenario where, let's just say, does bring back everybody at the wide receiver core, um, you know, where someone like C.J. Williams or even, you know, Tobias Merriweather or, or Amorian Walker, whoever, uh, could see the field freshman freshman year?
1: Well, you know, I, I think first of all, um, being able to play as a true freshman, it's all about opportunity. There has to be an opportunity for you to play, and then they have to have, number two, the faith in you that you'll be able to execute and play well. I really like seeing this year Notre Dame and getting so many freshmen on the field on offense, and I think that really um, really proving that they will play true freshmen, Lorenzo Styles, Dion Colsey making big catches last last game, um, Tyler Buckner has been on the field all year. Um, yes, there's been a lot of injuries and maybe they wouldn't have been on the field otherwise. But, you know, Joe Alt, um getting out there on the field. Blake Fisher w- probably would have been the starter there all year had he not been injured. So, yeah, good sign there. Mitchell Evans came wrong, um, And then Logan Diggs. It's like who, who hasn't played from that <laughs> freshman class. But, yeah, um, C.J. Williams, um, when you think about what would make a true freshman wide receiver be able to play. Okay, number one. Um, You know, physically, remember Braden Lindsay, when he was a freshman, he just wasn't physically strong enough. He had the speed, of course, but blocking, wouldn't be able to sort of, he talked about that openly. He couldn't have really handled that as a true freshman. While C.J. Williams is as physically strong um, as, as you'll kind of find in that kind of package of receiver, he's a guy who's going to be able to handle himself physically um, and then, of course, the coaches have to have that trust in them, right? Well, he is a fantastic route runner. And I can't say, and I've watched a lot of Matter Day games, that I've ever seen him drop the football. He just he's as clutch catch guy as you'll find. And it's sort of like, okay, well, I can't – it's more – it would be harder to find the reasons why he wouldn't play. And I guess maybe that kind of goes back to opportunity. You know, if they brought back Kevin Austin and, and Braden Lindsey and Avery Davis – and, I'll, you know, then it gets a little trickier to find, okay, where does he fit exactly? But, again, I think he'll earn the trust from the staff very quickly. He's enrolling early. And, again, everything I said about his physical ability, I just can't see, um, you know, what would hold him back. And then Tobias Merriweather, you know, they're getting Deion Colsey on the field because they know he's going, to be a, he's going to be important in the future. Brian Kelly talked about that. Well, Tobias Merriweather is going to be very important too. Let's say Kevin Austin, Braden Lenz, he gave, he gave his return next year. Well, they definitely wouldn't be returning in twenty twenty three. And then Merryweather, they're going to need him. Do they try to get him on the field just a little bit, sort of how they have been with Dion Colsey to to sort of test the waters there? I mean, I could see it. And he's a playmaker too. So, you know, those 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 are the three guys I'd sort of start with there.
2: Gotcha. So when you're talking about Tobias Merriweather and CJ Williams, obviously they have a lot, a lot of room to grow in their development. And maybe they're not even the players that they will be quite at Notre Dame just yet, but who are some comps that you've seen is there are there players that jump out to you as like they look very similar to maybe an NFL guy I know you mentioned T Higgins are there other player comps that you see with these two well I
1: you know I'll fully admit right off the hop I'm not the best player comp guy I always get stumped when people sort of ask me that but yes I think and I've got to give Tim Priester credit the T Higgins sort of thing with um, Tobias Merriweather, I think, is, is smart. And it's that, you know, you look at Dion Colsey, he's that big receiver. Tobias Merriweather, where he's different, he's a lot more nimble, right? He is shifty and agile. Um, his, his trainer had told me shifty and agile, sort of like a six foot slot receiver is in short spaces. Um, he adds a kind of a different dynamic than like a Miles Boykin or Dion Colsey. A lot more sudden. He's leaner, slimmer, more nimble, faster, twitch. So I think we've seen a lot of these six-four receivers come to Notre Dame. Uh, like I said, Miles Boykin and, and so on. Um, I think he can add a bit different of an element in terms of speed, quickness, um, a little bit more dynamic. A guy who can create space with the, in, in route running while also being a six-foot-four-and-a-half-long target. So, and that's what T. Higgins was, right? So I think that is a a really good comparison there. Um, And then I think with, you know, Judarian Price, I think there's a lot of similarities to Logan Diggs. You know, they both are north-south runners, but they can make you miss in space. And then one thing I don't think we've seen a lot of Diggs yet, but something I'm certain he has from watching him in high school, is he's a really good pass catcher. He's a great pass blocker and then a great pass catcher out of the backfield. Uh, before and beyond the line of scrimmage, so I think you're kind of getting a similar athlete there in Jadarian Price.
0: Uh, you know, it's funny. I was actually just going to mention uh, Jadarian Price, and uh, Mason knows this how high I am on uh, how, how I am on him personally. And you know, obviously, Kyron Williams is probably going to leave for the NFL. Um, but if he doesn't, then that room's going to be, you know, obviously very, very good next year with, you know, simply adding price. I mean, maybe you lose a guy like Flemister to the to the portal, um, you know, as well. But one of my, um, you know, one of my big predictions was that Jadarian Price would be the type of running back that freshman, even though Logan Diggs looks like he can, you know, he can kind of man the backfield along with Chris Tyree. Um, so you're going to have Audrick Estime coming back. Um, you know, as another guy that's going to be a year into the program at that point. But do, can you see maybe Price fighting for some playing time as well?
1: Yeah, and I think I, I would say yes. And and the main reason for that, I kind of go back to what we've seen this year. Like, did they necessarily need to play Deion Colsey? Well, maybe a little bit with Joe Wilkins um, being out. But, again, Brian Kelly, I remember it was a press conference not long ago where he was just talking about the number of freshmen playing. They want to get those guys on the field, and they want to get them ready because they're going to be very important. And, yeah, this offseason they could lose Kyron Williams, and they, I could see Cebo Flemister too. And then you are with, at that point, Chris Tyree, Audrick Estime, Logan Diggs. Now, every single season a running back gets injured. It might be a, like we've seen recently – just a couple weeks stretch of Tyree Chris Tyree being out. But there's been other seasons like you know going back a few years or Tony Jones missed a bunch of time and, you know, or Dexter Williams went down where they've been without a running back. So let's just say let's say Kyle Williams and Sebo Flemister leave this off season. You have those three running backs. You need three running backs every game. Does Estimate Diggs and Chris Tyree stay healthy the entire season? No. Very I, I would bet whatever's in my wallet right now that no, not all three of those would stay healthy the whole year. So just out of that alone, um, Price would get a window to get on the field and whether it was mop up duty to where maybe he could have a role like Logan Diggs this year. And I can tell you that um, Notre Dame, I mean, they sign a lot of these very, very mature kids. And I would say Jadarian Price and talking with him quite a bit, he is in that high percentile of very, very mature young men. He's constantly winning student athlete of the week awards in his area in Texas. Great student, very, very humble, quiet kid. Just keeps his head down. does work. And I think that's going to, you know, the coaches are going to like him immediately. He's enrolling early. He'll be able to pick up the playbook. Very bright kid. I can definitely see him playing next fall.
0: Yeah, and another – I mean, a couple other examples of running backs. I think running back has specifically been the one position at Notre Dame where freshmen or or just sort of some random guys have been able to get on the field that maybe people weren't predicting. Uh, like Josh Adams got on the field as a freshman because of right. some injuries. And then I don't think anybody expected C.J. Prosize the year that he, you know, ran for 1,000 yards and ended up being a third-round pick. You know, he was sort of like third or fourth on the depth chart coming into the season, and they ended up being maybe their best offensive player. So – um. There, there are certainly some really good examples of, of Notre Dame having not only just really talented players, but just a lot of a, a lot of depth at that position that maybe people weren't expecting.
1: Yeah, Yeah. no, absolutely. And um, and again, it's, it's just a, when you're you know, you guys are sound like you're quite similar to me. You're very interested in recruiting and we, we pour over these recruits for an entire year. Or so there's this like natural kind of want to see them play right away, even if they're not ready, you know, just like last year everyone wanted to see Jordan Johnson out there. He was not ready, but again, it's just, it's nice to see. It's I guess it's just fun to see Notre Dame putting those freshmen out there and seeing what they have and getting them ready because they don't have a lot of depth at a lot of different positions, especially on the offensive line. You need to get those guys ready um, you know, Jack Cohn's a one-year player, got to see what Tyler Buckner has got to get him ready. And, and I think we'll continue to see that because even next year, um, you're going to have a thin wide receiver core. You're going to have kind of uncertainty at the guard spots. King Madden will leave. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be just more and more sort of uncertainty there where they got to get those young guys on the field to get them ready. And, and I think a lot of these guys will be ready.
2: Yeah. And I think it only bodes well for the program. You know, you don't always want to do it out of necessity. But at the same time, getting getting some young guys feet wet rather than thrusting them into an opportunity. Maybe they're not ready for when you need them to be. Get them into an opportunity where they're comfortable, where they're not necessarily, hey, you need to perform for us immediately. Just give them a chance to get their feet wet in college football. Adjust to what the game is at a, at a way bigger. It's a way bigger game, way bigger level. And then give them a chance to just get comfortable and get acclimated. So I like what the program's doing. I think some of it is out of necessity, but at the same time, it's way better to get a guy on the field freshman year, let him make a couple mistakes, and then, you know, get earned game time as he moves on rather than, you know, waiting two or three years and you don't really know what
0: you have in a player. Well, and then and then following up on that, Kevin, kind of to Mason's point and your point as well, and you mentioned this on, you know, like everybody wants to, new toy and one thing i've always thought of is like and you mentioned jordan johnson obviously he's transferred away from the program now but you 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 hear these guys come in let's just use like maybe like a chase claypool as an example that they come into the program to see them as a freshman and and then all of a sudden their sophomore junior year they're almost like forgotten about by the fan base to an extent and they're like okay well wh- who are these new freshmen that are coming in let's play them they're the shiny new toy and then you have a Claypool who goes off, you know his, his the second half of his junior season, and then obviously specifically his senior season that got him drafted, you know very high. Now he's enjoying a lot of success at the NFL level, and it's funny. I think this weird dynamic of fans that follow recruiting specifically—they—they they, like like you mentioned—they they, they want to see the shiny new toy, but then they forget about the the toy that they were interested in interested in the previous year. Yeah,
1: yeah, it almost kind of goes back to sort of like you know with Notre Dame's fan base the most popular player is the backup quarterback right everyone wants to see the guy everyone wants to see the guy they haven't seen yet and they're convinced through the hype of recruiting coverage that these guys are already superstars and they're often not yeah
2: yeah absolutely and it's important for guys to you know to earn their opportunity or whatever but um what I found is that you guys absolutely nailed it that everybody wants the new toy or whatever and I've had people you know like maybe we read too much into things or know like too much about the depth chart or whatever, but you know, I've had people like, Hey, where'd this Kevin Austin guy come from? He's a freshman, right? Like, Oh, if only you knew, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where like, he's been, he's been through it all and he's seeing his opportunity now, but he's not the new guy. It took him trials and tribulation to get where he's earned his opportunity. He's making the most of it now. But yeah, I think you're definitely right that even just because a guy's not playing as a freshman doesn't mean they're not any good. Just there's different paths for everybody. And it seems like especially receivers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and obviously, again, it uh, and I can't, I can't stress it enough. It always starts with opportunity. Quentin Nelson, when he was a freshman, was he talented enough to start? Probably, but they had, you know, NFL caliber upperclassmen uh, linemen starting at every spot, and they had, you know, very very good second string offensive line that year. He would he have started at. Pittsburgh, yes. Would he probably been like a freshman All American? Yeah, probably. But you know, again, it starts with opportunity. That's always the case.
0: And Kevin, we haven't really talked to. I mean, we talked about the linebacking core, obviously the receiving core. We haven't got into some other, uh, you know, positions. But you know, maybe we can save that for another day. Uh, One thing I know myself and Mason are are very interested in is your opinion on maybe some of Notre Dame's remaining targets. Um, I know. Before we, before we hopped on, you know, you were talking about how, you know, Xavier Nwankpa, you know, no one really knows where he's going to go yet. He's down to three programs. Uh, maybe all three programs have some optimism. Um, but regardless, I mean, maybe we we'll hear your thoughts on him. I mean, Notre Dame obviously had a five-star quarterback on campus a few weeks ago in Walker Howard. Um, I. Know- I would both love to hear your thoughts on him as well, and maybe compare compare him to Stephen Angeli, who's also in the class.
1: Yeah, well, let's let's talk, let's quickly just touch on three guys. Then um, we'll start with Xavier Nwankpa. So r- right from the get go, you know, I had a deep dive into looking at five star safeties from previous classes, and I went back like ten classes. First off, there's only a few five star safeties each cycle. Okay. Um, looking through it all, it was like 99% of the five-star safeties over the last decade. Maybe it wasn't quite that high, but it was, it was extremely high. We're either from the Southeast or they were from California, right? Right off the hop, those areas, as we know, are diff- um, it's difficult to recruit flashy defensive backs from those regions where they play in great weather. They're probably really into the SEC or maybe the Pac-12 if they're out in California, Very, very rarely is there a five-star safety in the Midwest. So right off the hop, it's like, okay, this is an opportunity for Notre Dame. Number two, he starts reeling in offers. He gets an Ivy League scholarship offer. So this is a five-star safety in the Midwest nearby, and he has an Ivy League scholarship offer. This is a big opportunity for Notre Dame, as we know. There's three schools, Ohio State, Iowa, Notre Dame, and it's sort of a wait-and-see situation. Notre Dame, uh, Kyle Hamilton will be leaving. We've all caught a glimpse of what that means in recent weeks with him being injured Um, next season. You know, there's just not a a lot of guys to point to who can be that big guy for them. If If they need a big splash in this class, it would certainly be Xavier Wink. But now getting on to another one, Billy Shrouth, you know, from the outset, First conversation with them, Perfect fit for Notre Dame. He's gone to Catholic schools his entire life. He's a big, you know, farm boy. Grew up on a farm in Wisconsin. So Wisconsin, who almost always signs all of their top prospects from in-state. They were going to be a, a tough, tough battle. But Shrouth had gone to a uh, – his bro- older brother had gone to a football camp at Notre Dame when he was a kid, and he tagged along, and he just fell in love with Notre Dame. It's gotten tough down the stretch. I cur- currently predict Notre Dame – to win, to win him, but he is a guy who is, what I love at the guard position is those dancing bear qualities, those guys who can really move the, you know, power forward feet kind of thing. You know, we saw a bit of that in like Aaron Banks, big guy you can move. Billy Strunk doesn't quite have that size, but he is that dancing bear. He would actually be an excellent three-technique defensive tackle, um, but he can really move, and and I, I like Notre, where Notre Dame sits with him. And then, you know, going on to uh, Walker, the quarterback out of Louisiana. I mean, I watched um, – I as soon as I knew that he was visiting Notre Dame, I dug up two game films and watched him. And he is just about the most accurate passer I've seen, like, as a high school quarterback in recent years. Like, he's as accurate or more accurate than any of the names, big names we've talked about. And he – you know, his dad was a quarterback. He grew up – you know, he was like he was born and raised to be a quarterback, and it shows. You know, and he is – like I said, he is as accurate um, as you can find them. Kind of reminds me of Matthew Stafford a little bit when he was his age, star quarterback coming out of high school. I think he can be that kind of quarterback in college.
0: Um, you know, for me as well. When I when I originally looked at looked at it, when I you know when I heard you guys talking about him possibly you know coming to Notre Dame, he was supposed to visit for that Cincinnati game and then got hurt. Um, you know, and I, I was just watching it and it was like, you mentioned, I mean, there was accuracy. He, he, he might not have the athleticism that has, but he certainly has plenty of it. Um, you know, and he can pretty much make it throw, throw in the book. Um, so yeah, it, it certainly popped for me as well, but, um, Kevin, I mean, we really obviously appreciate you joining, um, you know, maybe one quick, uh, one more quick thing before you go. Um, Mason sort of touched on this earlier with a question just kind of maybe taking some underrated recruits from this class um, are, are there any guys that maybe in this you know 20 21 man class currently that you're higher on than maybe the the general consent of your counterparts at Irish Illustrated yeah I'm going to go with Aiden
1: Gobira I think that um, there hasn't been there hasn't been nearly enough sort of hype around him. I mean, he is six foot six, two hundred and thirty pounds. His first step, his fast twitch ability, is as good as it gets. And I would rank him as a top one hundred recruit. I think um, you know, sort of, I've heard through the grapevine that there's similar confidence about him around Notre Dame. I think he's the best defensive end Notre Dame has landed a commitment from since. Isaiah Foskey, and I think the sky is the limit with him. And I think he is, with how we've seen Marcus Freeman move um, their weak side defensive ends back to linebacker. If you watch Aiden Gobyers' film this year, he's been playing uh, probably 60%, 60%, 70% of his snaps on the edge with his hand in the dirt. and And then the rest of them at Mike Linebacker. So you can drop him. He can cover. He has the highest motor. Man, I can't count how many times where he's got his hand in the dirt as a defensive end and they throw a slant, throw to the receiver on a slant route, and Gobira makes the tackle 25 yards upfield um, when he was coming off the edge and rushing the quarterback. His motor and his tenacity are unbelievable. And, again, he's 6'6", 230, incredibly athletic.
0: Well, it's funny you say that because maybe great minds think alike because I recently ranked my, my Notre Dame commits, and Aiden Gobira was number one on my list. So it tells you how, how, how much I think about him as well. Um, or how, how I, um, you know, how high I think of them. And I I know Mason as well, just from an overall athletic, athletic standpoint, but, um, unless Mason has something for you, um, like I mentioned, you know, I really appreciate you coming on, Kevin and Mason, do you got anything else?
2: Nope. That's it. Yeah. Just Kevin wanted to express our gratitude for you coming on, man. Your insight is essentially unmatched and we, we really appreciate it. I hope all the listeners appreciate it as well. And uh, hopefully this isn't the last time we really appreciate you having you on and uh, it's always good to hear from
0: you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I love talking ball guys. Thanks for having me on. It's been, uh, it's been great.
0: And guys, if you're not, for whatever reason, if you're not following Kevin Sinclair on Twitter and you happen to be following myself and Mason, obviously uh, but, uh, but make sure you're following Kevin uh, at Kevin Sinclair underscore, and then certainly, uh, you know, we'll pump up 24 seven sports as well. Go get your uh, subscription there. Uh, second to none, in my opinion, and I know Mason feels uh, very um, in regards to just the insight that they bring Tom Loy, Kevin Sinclair team. Tim O'Malley, all of you guys do a great job and, and and second to none in terms of coverage of Notre Dame football um, and, and and recruiting as well. So make sure you're subscribed there and, and, and supporting uh, you know Kevin's work over there.
1: Okay, well thanks very much guys uh, and go Irish. That's right. Thanks, Kevin.
0: Thanks, Kevin.
2: The Golden Homers are brought to you by Generations Barbershop, a Notre Dame themed barbershop that has been keeping Irish fans looking good since 1930. Brent and Gill are located on Lincoln Way East in Mishawaka, Indiana. Open 8 to 5 and by appointment, call or text Brent at 574-250-0622. That's 574-250-0622.
0: All right, guys, that was uh, Sinclair, like I mentioned, of Irish Illustrated 24-7 Sports. Um, We'll toot his horn even more here now that he's gone, but uh, re- really great work over there. Um, I, I mentioned this at the beginning, but Tom is probably their recruiting guru when it comes to getting scoop um, and, and finding out where kids are going. Um, but but uh, Kevin is second to none. And once, once he knows that Notre Dame's offering a kid or even before Notre Dame's offering a kid, um, just diving into film review, um and, and and really hitting on some kids that again maybe they end up at Notre Dame maybe they end up at a really really good power five program or maybe they end up at a at a group of five school or an FCS program and and and, and move the needle uh for those types of programs so um again uh we, we really enjoy having Kevin on and uh Mason we'll go ahead and you know probably get into some Navy in Virginia and then do our typical predictions and stuff like that but um Any any words before we before we get back into that? Uh, Not a whole
2: lot, really. Just uh, again, it's just super cool to. I hope everybody else appreciates it as well. That the perspective we can get from a guy like Kevin, who puts in so much legwork that a lot of people don't. You know, you see some people that they just throw out these basic kind of keywords when they go through somebody's film. This guy is twitchy. This guy is fast. But when you read Kevin's his in depth breakdowns of players, it makes you feel like you understand the game of football like he does. And I like to think I – you know, I, I know football, you know, decently well, but he breaks down the X's and O's so well and, and points out things that you wouldn't have seen in the guy, the player, the first time around. So it, it adds a whole new perspective. I can't say enough good things about what Kevin and the, the team over there at Irish Illustrated do.
0: Yeah, certainly. Uh, certainly. Um, I'm sure we'll have Kevin back on, just like we'll have you know Tom back on in the future. Uh, maybe we can have a dual show with both of them um, after the after the 2020 True Class uh, is is fully signed and and ready to go in in February. But um, let's talk a little Navy Mason. Uh, we both watched the game, 34 to six victory. Uh, started off a little slow, I think maybe even slower, and it seemed like this game that was gonna be. Maybe similar to the Toledo game at at the beginning, or or, or some of the other, just kind of interesting interesting games that Notre Dame played specifically early in the season, um, but they were able to kind of put it together specifically. I think like kind of late in the first half, and then throughout the second, and like I mentioned, thirty four to six. I think it was actually seventeen to three, both in both halves. Um, and and defense played well, but I, I do want to give credit to the offense after the slow start. Um, you know I thought overall the the game itself when, when you look at it from a start to finish standpoint was actually pretty good
2: yeah overall it was but yeah uh, certainly the start wasn't encouraging uh, I, it took a second to watch through to really see what Navy was doing because I you know you get frustrated those first couple drives you're like okay against a team like Navy that if they're going to have success and win this game they're going to limit possessions and they're just going to run the ball down your throat and when Notre Dame doesn't even get a first down on their first three drives it's it starts to become discouraging you're like is this are we really going to do this with a a terrible terrible navy team really so (laughs) i looked into it you know when they're dropping eight there wasn't really anywhere for cone to go and then once he doesn't have his first read or second read they want to do that one two three and throw kind of thing once he doesn't have that he he doesn't move very well and that's where you kind of see everything collapse so they're committed to they're committed to stopping cone reading it downfield and then there wasn't really a lot of room for Kyron Williams to run around either. So uh, I think Notre Dame loosened it up with Buckner. And then from there on out, just Notre Dame has better athletes and they handled the game as they should covered the spread. So all all, two thumbs up here.
0: Yeah. And and it was one of me and you agreed on this earlier in the season, where there were times where we thought Buckner was kind of the problem in regards to he could have been better. And I think in this game specifically, it was kind of the opposite. Uh, Like you, maybe had their, their eight drop man look and those first three drives specifically, I kind of blame the coaching staff and I don't usually like to do that. I'm usually one that sort of, you know, puts the, puts the emphasis on the players for the most part, you know, to, to kind of get the scheme down and do all that. But in, in this specific game and instance, I thought Cone was fine overall and there just wasn't really a lot going on. And then I think Tommy Reese, you know, decided finally after a couple of series that he needed to go to Buck figure things out. And once he did that, I mean, I think you, the word you used was perfect. It just loosened things up. And, and from there on out, Notre Dame, the ball pretty much with ease the rest of the game.
2: Yeah. And I think, I know I am, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm a little bit trigger happy because I want to see Buckner. I just blame it on cones. Oh, cone, this cone, that, whatever. But I mean there wasn't anything for him. So the same thing potentially would have happened with Buckner other than the the added ability to rush, which Cone very much does not have unless bar one freak run against North Carolina that nobody saw coming, which I still can't believe happens. But
0: two um, runs against North Carolina. Well, one one for the touchdown, right? Yes, one for the touchdown. But I could I would argue the other one was the better. Well, who
2: the you? the so, um, but yeah, so I, I like to blame Cone sometimes, and maybe it's it's not warranted, but yeah, I'm, I'm ready for, I'm ready for, uh, what do you call it, Buckner season, TB12 season, and uh, the off season, I, I'm ready for that.
0: Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, obviously, I know we're both pretty high on him, so in that regard, But spe- but speaking of Buckner, I mean, I think the Navy game was just another sort of notch on the belt for him in regards to just his overall abilities. I mean, and Kelly's kind of touched on this in his press conferences every week. You know, he's just getting better. I mean, you know, at the beginning of the season, he was sort of just a guy, every time he came in, you knew it was going to be a run. And then randomly a few games after a few games of that where it kind of stopped working, you know, obviously I'm sure the practice, uh, you know, the practice he was getting was, was preparing for them, preparing him for this as well. But you started seeing some you know, maybe some more gadget throws. You're like, okay, we know you have an arm. Go chuck it deep. Let's see if Kevin Austin or Aver Davis, Braden Lindsey can can just run under it for a touchdown, whatever. And and those started to work. You saw it with Kevin Austin specifically. I forget what game it was. Maybe it was Wisconsin, um, if if I'm remembering it correctly. But, you know, and then, and then now you're starting to see this really, really dynamic RPO game plan when he's in the game. I mean, he can run the ball. He, he'll hand it off. He'll – He'll actually do the legit RPO where he keeps it, runs, and then he has the option to dump it off to Michael Mayer in the flat for like 15 yards, or you saw I think it was the Avery Davis touchdown a few weeks back where Buckner could have kept it, but but Davis was wide open um, in the flat for a touchdown. And I think that was actually a, a play that the coaching staff gave him a lot of credit for because he changed it at the line of scrimmage, um, which is really impressive for, for a true freshman nonetheless. And so you're starting to see this with Buckner where I have full confidence that if he started a game from, from start to finish, you know he, um, he would be perfectly fine against most programs they play. I mean, obviously, I do think Cone provides certain things that maybe Buckner can't right now. But you're we really are starting to see Buckner kind of come into his own as a player. And we're definitely seeing what he might be able to provide moving forward starting next year when he's conceivably the, the starting quarterback.
2: And that's a debate I was having with some friends earlier today, actually. So I got to wonder, uh, I'm curious to ask you about this, too. You and I talk about most things. We haven't talked about this yet or on the pod, really. So. Drew Pine came in for those opportunities, and a lot of people are still clamoring for him to be the guy, which I don't really understand. And I've gone back and forth with people on Twitter about it. But it's shaping up to be Buckner's job to lose this off How do you think that that's looking for from Pine's perspective? Is he thinking, well, I'm just one play away, and this guy runs the ball a lot, or is he just like, do you think he's has one eye on potentially leaving Notre Dame? Or what are your kind of feelings on that?
0: I would say probably for next season's purposes he'll be on the roster and, and it goes back to kind of what you said. I mean, he'll be one play away. Um, at the same time I all that he probably has confident confidence enough in his own abilities where if the staff is is uh willing to give him a chance to win the job, then I think he's a guy that is gonna do everything in his power to win that job in the I wouldn't bet on it. Cause I think Buckner is just such a dynamic athlete that the staff realizes, Hey, if this is a year that we want to possibly go to the college football playoff game again, and you know, maybe actually win the national championship because you have such a dynamic weapon in Tyler Buckner that Notre Dame really hasn't had at the position, um, you know, that they'll probably roll with him. But I would say that if, if Pine does end up transferring, it would probably be after next season when, you know, you have a guy like Steven Angeli, um, who's going to be a sophomore and maybe clamoring to, to get some time or, or passing someone like Pine in, on the depth chart. Maybe Walker Howard is a Notre Dame uh, player at that time as well. And who knows, maybe he's going to be better than, than Tyler Buckner is. I mean, I think he certainly has the ability to be. Um, and then whoever also might be on campus at that time, maybe it's Dante Moore, maybe it's jokingly Arch Manning. You know, but, uh, you know, but another guy like maybe a Jackson Arnold, who, you know, I would have loved to maybe get Kevin's insight on on some of the 2023 quarterback targets. But so I think I think there's going to be more of a a complicated depth chart for Drew Pine after uh, next year in 2023. And that's where I would maybe suspect him to transfer somewhere and be a starter.
2: I could see that, too. And it's just such a weird situation with what ended up happening with Brendan Clark and then Notre Dame's looking at two quarterbacks in this class. They're not just going to take anybody, but if they can get Walker Howard, that's huge. And then potentially in 2023 as well, it looks like if they don't take two in the 2022 class, they want to take two in 2023, or maybe even in both. And they want to really just assess all of their options and see what they can, what's really out there and what is available for them to land. So I like, I like the approach. Um, I think it's, it's tough for, A guy like pine but at the same time if you're the guy then the staff's going to give you every opportunity so i think he's a good quarterback he's just not a needle mover and i I don't subscribe to the opinion of people say that oh pine's good you know he shows a lot of ian book but at the same time why don't you give a guy like buckner who maybe is not as polished right now but he has all of the upside in the world do you not want that that guy who has the potential to be a a world beater a guy that can take you into the college ball playoff maybe win it for you notre Dame needs that elite quarterback that seems to be the recipe of winning a college football playoff and winning a national championship you have to have a guy you can't just have somebody that's just average and i think that's what pine maybe a little bit better than average at a college football level i don't think he's anything special but buckner maybe he's not right now but he has the potential absolutely to be
0: yeah and guys like buckner and guys like walker howard and and I mentioned Dante Moore and Jackson Arnold in the 2023 class. Those are guys that are needle movers at a program like Notre Dame. Possibly. Absolutely. But a guy like Drew Pine, like you mentioned, like there are programs where he could be a needle mover. He's from the Massachusetts area. If he transferred into like a Boston college, like Phil Dracovic did, or he transferred to like Pittsburgh or, or a program like that, where it's still power five, but like a little lower level expectation power. five programs that have produced. NFL quarterbacks, Matt Ryan, Kenny Pickett's going to be a guy um, that, that, you know, is probably a first or second round pick in this year's draft. So Drew Pine who ends up at those type of program, he can be a needle mover for that program. And, but, and, and what I mean by that is uh, when he's on that team, maybe that's a year they go 10 and two and, and compete for an ACC title or something mm-hmm. like that. But when it comes to Notre Dame, I, I think you're right. I mean, Drew Pine, his, his absolute ceiling is probably Ian book. And Ian Book proved that he could be a very good college quarterback and someone that I think is even underrated for no standards. But when it came down to it, they weren't able to win a national championship with him. And they proved that two years with him as the starter.
2: Right, and, I, and it, it's not any sort of slight on Drew Pine. To be able to be even in contention for the Notre Dame starting job and to have – he was an All-American and to have such a high ranking, that means he's he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country, right? He, he's one of the top whatever guys. He was highly recruited. He had an offer from Alabama. Like yeah. Stuff like that where it's not that he's not a good quarterback, but it's just that he – to be an elite guy, you're one of the top two or three in the country, and that's what Notre Dame's on the, on the hunt for. It's not that Pine's bad it's just that you need a needle mover he pine can do all the everything well he he's just not quite that elite guy which is unfortunate and he can start it in you know, just about every you know was there like maybe five or ten programs that pine wouldn't walk into and maybe earn some playing time so pine's a good quarterback i just don't think that he's he's the guy but maybe maybe we will he'll prove us wrong i didn't think that he was gonna be able to come in and compete, and he uh, he came in against Wisconsin and Cincinnati and, and proved himself even to me. So maybe we'll be surprised this summer. Who knows?
0: And I think the other kind of the other thing to to mention about Pine is that if he went to a program like you mentioned, he had the the offer to Alabama. I think for to be a me. Meet- at notre dame you have to be a guy that's elite like a buckner or possibly like i mentioned the other guys that, that, that they could end up landing but drew pine if you were to go to like an alabama just as a hypothetical if he let's just say committed to alabama out of high school that program already has needle movers everywhere you need them to be and like and, five of and, them at every position exactly exactly and i know and i know a guy like mac jones is proven himself even at the NFL level now that he might be a player that was better than people thought at the collegiate level but sometimes at a school like Alabama or even at Ohio State or Clemson you just need a guy that can distribute the football and the other guys will do the work so Drew Pine it doesn't mean that a guy like Ian e. Booker Drew Pine can't win you a national championship I just think at a school like Notre Dame they're not necessarily going to win you a national championship
2: well right and if you put Drew Pine into an offense like Alabama's where there's five-star playmakers everywhere. He's going to have a ton of success, but Notre Dame doesn't have that. So you have to have a guy that is elite. Ha- it can win a game essentially by himself. He has the dual threat. He can do it all. And Pine's not that guy, which isn't his fault. He's a, he's a damn good quarterback, but he's just not, I don't, I don't think he's what Notre Dame needs at the moment. But I think that if he does choose to transfer, if he does the job, if it, if it becomes Buckner's job for the next couple of years, uh, Pine's going to have a lot of success somewhere. And, and Kevin said it best actually that the the backup quarterback is always everybody's favorite player and it, it, maybe we'll look back and and see Pine to have success. man, why did he get a chance? But you have to take your opportunity with Buckner, and I think it's the right move.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you're you're seeing that with guy like a guy like Dracovic. I mean, I think Notre Dame fans have been clamoring for him to come back for pretty much since he left. And I know he's a, a pretty good player, but I I think we're 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 fine. With a guy like Buckner. Uh, overall, but, uh, moving on to Virginia, we've already been going a little bit over an hour, so that's, we can, we'll, we'll go go ahead and speed this up, but, um, obviously dynamic offense, especially if their quarterback, Brennan Armstrong is, but I don't know if he's going to be a hundred percent healthy, specifically maybe running the football, um, which is, which is big for him. So I think this is a game where Notre Dame can take advantage of that. Maybe the defense is able to force a few turnovers because of it keep him in the pocket a little bit easier than they have guys like Sam Howell um and I what was it Burkmeyer or whatever his name is from from Virginia Tech.
2: Yeah Burmeister.
0: Um, Burmeister, yeah I don't know why I said Burkmeyer. I think that's a offensive line recruit that <laughs> committed to Penn State in twenty twenty three. But um but but Burmeister, uh you know he's a he's a guy that was able to run all over Notre Dame when when given the opportunity. So I, I think the injury is going to help Notre Dame a lot here and I'm not expecting it to be some sort of high scoring game that you know they had against North Carolina specific what Virginia's yeah. been able to do almost every game this year. Um so I I'm, I'm 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 very optimistic that because, specifically because of the injury Notre Dame is going to be able to win this game handily even though it's on the road.
2: Yeah, I think so too. I think that the injury certainly helps. I like to play everybody at You know, full strength so that there isn't any built-in excuses. But you're going to get that no matter what by people that hate Notre Dame or just like to hate in general. So, it is what it is. Notre Dame needs to win. I think they will. Um, You want to get into score predictions?
0: Yeah, let's do – maybe do a bold prediction first. Um, I know your. I know what yours is, like usual, but – I'm skipping um, it this week. (laughs) What do you got? I'm skipping it. You go first. All right. Um, So, I got – I got high scoring. Uh, for Notre Dame at least. I think this is going to be Notre Dame's highest-scoring game of the season, which I think it would top 44, um, which was North Carolina. So I'm going to go ahead and – you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say Notre Dame puts up a, a 50-burger on on Virginia, um, specifically because Virginia is going to be able to score a little bit. Um, maybe not to the extent uh, North Carolina did where they put up 34 on Notre Dame, I think that Notre Dame should be able to score at will, uh, for the most part, in this game. I don't think Virginia is going to be able to stop much of much. Of it. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say Notre Dame's high scoring game, and they go ahead and get to fit to fifty points. You know what? Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna
2: skip it this week. I remember that Avery Davis is hurt. A freshman scoring a touchdown, Colsey or Styles, maybe even Jaden Thomas, man. But that's not gonna be mine. That one's just built in. It's gotta be. Everybody knows that <laughs> I'm gonna stick with that every week until no, I know what you're doing. It's... You're
0: gonna go with Matt Salerno, aren't you?
2: No, that would be something. <laughs> I I'm I'm sticking with it, Styles or Colsey, to score. But what I, I think what I'm gonna go with here is Tyler Buckner, three touchdowns. So that can be throwing, running, whatever, three total touchdowns. I think this is a game where he's going to have a chance to succeed, and Notre Dame is continuing to spread out the playbook for him. I think Cone and Buckner will be successful, but I'm going to go with three touchdowns for Tyler Buckner.
0: How many rushing? How many? How many throwing?
2: One rushing, two throwing.
0: Interesting. I think I think he's been averaging what about a touchdown per game um, over the last. Yeah, just about.
2: Years. So I think with the added points and uh maybe some more opportunity more red zone opportunity Uh, they're expanding that red zone package for him maybe it'll be two rushing but i think he hits three
0: all right and then my score i'll go with my score prediction first because i kind of gave a um in regards to my score prediction but i'm gonna go notre dame uh gets to 52 points that that's i'm gonna give notre dame so 52 to uh, let's go 27 um for virginia i think that it's uh it's it's never really a close game i think it's one of those games that could end up being like kind of 35 to maybe like 13 at halftime something like that um Dame, you know puts up you know they're a, a decent amount in the second half as well but doesn't make it like almost a full blowout per se um and i and i think maybe virginia time touchdown or something like that but i'll go 52 27 well
2: that was Exactly. I have it written down in front of me, so I guess I'll change it. I'm going to go. <laughs> no, uh, no chance. No, I promise. I'll i send you a picture after I wrote it down because I wrote I write down like little things that I want to add in. But, yeah, that was mine. Exactly. So this is why we need I'm to gonna, be on I know I'm going to roll with just under the 50 burger. I'm going to go with 45, 24 Notre Dame.
0: 45 24. I like it. I like it.
2: Yep. That's what, right. I'm, that's what I'm rolling with. I think it'll be easy to score points. I think I don't. Do you anticipate Kyle Hamilton playing? I don't. I think that gives them a touchdown or two without him lurking in center field. So uh, they're going to be able to score points, especially if Armstrong plays, even if he is a little bit hampered. But I think it, it's going to be definitely high scoring. I don't know what the over under is, but I think it's
0: hitting. Yeah. If you would have told me last week if Kyle Hamilton was playing, I would have leaned towards yes, just with the way Kelly was talking. <laughs> um now if you actually ask me if he was going to play the remainder of the season i might lean towards him. yeah um i think that there's there's been some rumors of a noticeable limp still i think people who saw that maybe on the broadcast this past week against navy um after the game ended so uh for him and i feel for notre dame fans to an extent as well because he's just such a, a a fun player to watch um i don't think it's going to hurt his draft stock unless it's an injury that is is worse than what we've uh you know, been, been told at least, but, uh but yeah, no, I, I don't expect him to play this week. And I, I would, like I said, I would maybe lean towards him not playing the rest of the season, unfortunately.
2: Yeah. I'm probably in the same boat as you. And before we go, Nathan, uh, this is a guy you've been tracking for a long time, the Notre Dame basketball guys making an announcement tonight. Some signs are pointing towards Notre Dame, nothing official yet, but I know you've been tracking him for a minute. You want to, you want to go ahead and uh, share the info.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, the kid, uh, obviously, Van Allen Lubin is, I'm assuming, the kid you're speaking about um, uh, out of Orlando, Florida. You know, he's a a guy that I've been told is committed to Notre Dame, um, and he's supposed to even possibly sign today because today's the first, uh, you know, the first day of the early signing period for for, um, sports that are not football. Um, He was supposed to actually announce before – you know, around I think it was actually like six fifteen Eastern time, and I have not seen anything yet. I did see something that leaked, but it was recently <laughs> deleted, um, so I, I don't know. But uh, at the same time, I am predicting Notre Dame. Uh, Van Allen Lubin, like I mentioned, is 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 the uh, the kid's name up uh, top. Uh, um, and I think we've mentioned this in a couple other uh, couple other podcasts that Notre Dame is really. Um, A, at a high level right now over the last two cycles, I think specifically uh, Bray, Mike Bray deserves a lot of credit, um, kind of bouncing back recruiter. And, you know, maybe that has to do with the staff a little bit um, that he's that he's brought from the staff that he's released as well. But um, but Lubin is a guy that I think is a needle mover. I know we're using that word a lot.
2: It's a good thing. That means good things.
0: Yeah, exactly. But he's a needle mover in the sense of he is the type of athlete at the, um, you know, down low that Notre Dame. Probably the best athlete they've landed down low since Zach August. He's a little bit different than Zach August that he uh, at least at the college level. I think Zach August is his, his um, you know, outside touch, um, you know, since he's since. he's but I think Lubin's going to be a guy that is able to, to post up from, you know, 15 to 18 um, and, and produce. And then I think he's also a guy that finishes very strong at the rim and is just an athletic, is going to run the floor um, very well. I don't know if he's a rim protector per se. He's only 6'8", but like I mentioned, he does have a lot of athleticism. And overall, he's pretty raw. If he was a kid that played basketball his entire life, um, he's a guy that Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, schools like that would have been all over. And he'd probably be a a five-star player. That's how talented he is overall. But with a little bit raw um, from a basketball standpoint and a kid that recently started playing, um, I think, you know, at the beginning of his high school career or maybe even after that, um, at least from from what I've heard, um, you know, like I said, he he might not be a guy that plays next um, simply because he's not ready from a maturity standpoint. Um, but he certainly has the athleticism uh, to, to, to play next year and role for him.
2: That's always good to hear like the the high ceiling guys. And I think it's encouraging as good as he as I've already seen him play that he hasn't been playing basketball for that long. So the sky's the limit, it looks like.
0: Yeah. And I mean, and he's just the cherry on top of a really nice class. I mean, they landed Dom Campbell um, a few months back who I think is a very, a very polished player and a kid that might be able to find a role as a freshman just because of that. Um, but he's, he's a down low presence as well. So adding two guys when they're going to probably lose, um, well, they're definitely going to lose Paul Atkinson this year, the transfer, uh, that, that came in. Um, and then they might lose Nate, uh, Nate um, possibility he comes back for a COVID year. Um, but outside of that, they don't really have a lot of like height and length. I mean, Zona and, and, and Taylor, Georgia Taylor, I think, are, are quality pieces that could be guys down the line. But I don't think that they're legitimate down-low presences overall in the way that Campbell and, and Lubin are. So I'm excited to see what Notre Dame did there. And then obviously landing J.J. Darling, um, you know, mentioned a few times. I mean, he might be the best commit that Bray's ever landed. So, um, and, and he did have a committable offer to Duke, which is rare for Notre Dame to land guys like that
2: certainly some big time stuff but we're going to wrap it up there certainly appreciate you guys joining us make sure to follow us on everything mason plumber underscore nathan underscore urbach is that right
0: yes sir it is
2: on twitter yeah we will, we post everything golden homers related there certainly appreciate you guys listening and appreciate your time uh, go irish and uh, we'll catch you next week
0: thanks for tuning in guys we'll see you after virginia